Hello all you nightmare nerds and welcome to Horror Genres. Today we are tackling one of my absolute favorite subgenres, found footage. The found footage genre, as most of you probably know, is a story framework in horror films where the narrative is largely told through the first person perspective and the camera operator is usually their own character. While there are obviously some exceptions to this, for example films where security footage or nanny cam footage is used as the storytelling device, the stories conclude with the implication that the footage was literally found later by an independent party and edited together to tell the story. This story, as you can imagine, usually ends in tragedy. The found footage genre has evolved dramatically over the past few decades, as the changes in technology have also evolved. Stories like Cannibal Holocaust, which was shot on fast speed 16mm film, have led to landmark films such as The Blair Witch Project, which utilized the handheld technology of the camcorder. Over the past two decades, we have seen found footage films take place entirely on a desktop image capture in films like Unfriended and The Collingswood Story, experienced large-scale streaming captures such as Gunjim, Haunted Asylum, and the pandemic-inspired Zoom session horror films such as The Excellent Host. And yet, for the tens of diamond-in-the-rough films that elevate this genre to a new level with every introduction of new technology, there are perhaps hundreds of stinkers that clog the proverbial artery. What is it about found footage as a genre that leads to such saturation, yet so little true horror classics? If you're anything like me, and I do realize I'm on the short end of this one, I eat up the good and the bad found footage movies, searching for that one that scratches the found footage itch that I get when hunting for a spooky movie. I've watched enough dudes in the woods in their backyard having someone shake the trees for many a lifetime, and now I'm ready to talk about what makes this genre simultaneously so special and so divisive. Welcome to Horror Genres Found Footage. So this is a podcast that I have been really, 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 really excited about because as Josh knows, I absolutely love found footage horror movies to the point where most of the horror movies that I watch are found footage. Like it's starting to become a bit of a detriment because great new horror movies are coming out like movies that Josh hated, like The Dark and the Wicked, and I kind of just don't want to watch them. I just want to keep watching people try to make me believe that they all died on camera. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of whether or not found footage is a gimmick or is it greatness? Because I feel like in the horror community, found footage is a genre that's kind of had its turn, right? It was great and it had its peak with Blair Witch in 1999, which we talked about on our podcast. It had revivals with uh, paranormal activity. It's had mainstream releases with The Gallows. It's even had other types of genres with with Chronicle and and you know things like that. So I feel like there's kind of a stigma against found footage at this point in horror history. And I really disagree with that because I don't think that it's just a gimmick. I think it truly has the potential potential to still be great. So how do you feel about that? I'm totally on board with that take. And you're right. I was not a fan of The Dark and the Wicked. And while I'm not a huge fan of found footage horror either, certainly nowhere near as high on found footage as you are, but The Blair Witch Project is by far one of my favorite horror movies of all time, if not one of my favorite movies of all time. And you're right when you say that the genre peaked with Blair Witch. I think that's totally true. I find a lot of them to be sort of cheap scares. They're usually really fun. You're usually going to get scared a couple of times. And if you can surprise me with a concept like a movie like Gonjium Haunted Asylum, which we'll talk about, which I just recently watched and thought it was a neat newish take, you know, if you're not just being derivative of everything that came before it, I'm all for it. 
because I think that's where the path to greatness and found footage really comes from, which we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, is this, this opportunity to give someone something new and something different based on a formula that's already been established, right? Which is one of the reasons why I love pop punk music, because it's mostly all the same. But if you can give me some really new, original, catchy licks from that four chord progression, I'm sold. That's the, it's the same kind of idea with me. Like, how can we... I, I feel like found footage really gives an opportunity to reinvigorate a genre every time that an auteur picks up a camera. And I, I think that's what's really unique to this genre. So we'll start off with the question, how and when is a found footage movie successful? To me, it starts with what I like to consider the frame or the framework of the story. And we had just briefly uh, talked about this. Uh, one of my favorite found footage horror movies uh, is Grave Encounters 1 and 2. And the reason why I love that uh, that. Uh, reason why I love those movies is because of the framework in which it operates. It's the skeptical ghost hunters who don't believe and they find something real, right? It just kind of encapsulates what I think is great about found footage, which is that our desire to believe that what is put in front of us is real. And at this point in time, we're, we're very saturated with ghost hunters, ghost adventures, paranormal state. It goes on and on and on and on with all of these ghost hunter faux documentary shows that we want to believe are real, but somehow we never actually do. And so when we get this framework of, hey, here's actual ghost hunters who, who, don't, who don't believe what they're doing, which appeals to the skeptic in us finally find, finding something real, that's when something truly great can happen in found footage. So for me, the success of a found footage movie starts with its framework. Well, first of all, let's talk about that uh, comparison between pop punk and found footage. That that explains your love of found footage so so well. Um, found footage is effectively the film version of a four chord prog progression song. So yeah, it's it's it. You can, but you but you can be effectively repetitive, and that's that's what I think is the great thing here, right? No, you're right. Like and I said, like I said, uh, you know, Blair Witch is kind of the, the 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 framework, right? Based on what you're describing here, and sure. If you can, you know, if you can scare me a couple times and if, you know, I, I see a few ghosts and feel like I'm in a haunted house for an hour and a half. Cool. I, I'm in. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. And, and you know, there are, there are different types of frameworks that we encounter. That just happens to be, you know, one of my favorite. And a few other ones are, you know, the security camera that catches something it shouldn't. Right. Or um, the, the the fake documentary crew who find a story that is is buried underneath something innocent, right? The, the frame to me is really what makes a found footage film successful. Something else that I think makes the found footage uh, genre really successful is the performances, right? And I think this can really make or break a found footage movie because we're viewing the, the events happening naturally through a lens. We're not pretending that we're watching a film. We're pretending that we're watching events that actually happen. And so because of this, the performances by the actors themselves are crucial, which is oftentimes why found footage movies aren't great, right? Because if the acting's not good, we don't we don't believe what's at what we're actually seeing is reality. And if 
the acting, I feel like, compromises this framework that, you know, the frame that we need to establish. So this leads me to the question, you know, what makes a really bad found footage horror movie? Because we've all seen horrible found footage horror movies. I watch horrible found footage horror movies almost daily. And even though I still enjoy them on a very visceral level because I love the idea that someone's trying to convince me what I'm watching is actually happening... They are bad, don't get me wrong. So, Josh, what do you think makes a bad found footage horror movie? I think a bad found footage movie, like you said, acting, if I'm not believing the characters, uh, that's game over because I'm supposed to be... We're supposed to suspend our disbelief. I think unlike any other genre, really, this is like the one genre where you really have to suspend your disbelief and you have to think that all of this stuff is actually happening and that these people are experiencing all of this crazy shit for an hour and a half so um i think that's sort of like the main thing for me is like acting yeah acting really makes or breaks a found footage horror movie which is something that we'll talk about a little bit later um but another thing to me that drives me absolutely bonkers during a found footage movie is the this doesn't make sense aspect of it there's a uh, there's a horror movie on Shutter called Found Footage 3D, and you do not have to watch it in 3D, um, but it tries to be a meta uh, a meta found footage movie where it's like, oh, we know all the rules and we're gonna address them and break them at the same time, and it it's actually it's it's very cool. There, there's one scene where the dire- the director of the found footage movie that they're making um, says you have to answer two questions when you make found footage. One is why are they shooting it? Or, or why are we filming? And two is why are we still filming, right? So this question of at the end, like wh- why they're still holding the camera, I think that's the best line in that movie because it really, it brings to focus our our perception of logic when we're watching a found footage film, right? If I can't answer that question in the third act, it's, a, it's an unsuccessful film. S- go, similarly... If I can't answer why they still have battery life in the third act, then it's an unsuccessful film, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. that that's all I think about. And certain films like The Blair Witch, you could absolutely ask that kind of question, even though I'd have to go back and watch it an additional time. I think we get some sort of indication of their battery life as the film is winding down. Um but th- there's a there's a movie I brought up in the Blair Witch podcast called uh, Survive the Horror Shoals, which is a good it's a fun little movie. But I'm I'm supposed to believe that this guy who's spending a 60 day challenge in the in, like a survival challenge in the woods, who as far as I can tell is not a like Bear Grylls professional, like he somehow has 60 days of battery life in 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 his you know like in his phone or whatever he's recording with you know like yeah get out of here with that nonsense exactly certain impairments to logic while we're watching found footage can take us out of the experience another thing is sound right it it, some people might not notice this but it does kind of ring untrue when you have pro quality sound from every person in a found footage horror movie, whether or not they're in another room down the hall or close to the camera. I think the most successful films think about this in terms of how can I justify these characters getting audio? 
And Gungeum Haunted Asylum, I think, is one of the most successful ones because how do they address it? They say, we're, like, let's not hide behind found footage and horror conventions, right? Let's let's lean into it. They literally just give everybody a camera and a microphone, you know. And and I think that's kind of genius. Like instead instead of instead of saying you know nobody's going to notice that the guy in the next room has perfect audio or that the camera is a security camera and I can hear everything he he says perfectly. They lean into it, right? They say, we're just going to cut out the middleman and give them all that they need. And I think that's beautiful and, and inventive. Yeah. And with that one, too, I think it's it's interesting because they they essentially are showing you the director, yes. the person who is directing them within the film. So if you have a director, of course, you're going to have equipment and things are going to work sure. properly, right? Like you, you, you have somebody sort of running the show and you're seeing that person in the process. And this all kind of leads me to my, ma- this is my main thesis about found footage. So are you, are you ready for this, Josh? Because this is a big moment. I think so. Found footage is so difficult to get right because it is a genre that's actively working against itself on every level. We want competent actors that can convince us that we are watching reality portrayed before them but we don't want to see any professional actors in them because we will identify them and it will bring us out of of this uh, bring us out of the of the scenario right that itself is the most catch-22 contradictory thing you know, in movies, right? We we want to be satisfied by not by not identifying these actors yet expect professional acting quality out of them to convince us what we're seeing is real. And because it doesn't just stop with the acting as well, right? It spills over into every aspect of it, right? We when we go to when we go to a, a movie theater, we want to experience you know uh, a, a sound design, a a, a score. Uh, you fully work on our audio, but when we watch a found footage horror movie, are we supposed to assume that the people who found it and put it all together brought it to a post studio and was like, okay, listen, I know we're watching this person brutally murdered, but could we put like a little bit of violin here and maybe like a little, you know, just a little bit to make it creepy? It's such a weird tightrope that we ask this genre to walk. And I think it's a bit hypocritical of us to be so, so mean to it. Because it, it's, 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 so, it's almost impossible to get it right. And, but people keep trying, and sometimes they do. They are able to conquer the contradiction of giving us a real simulation of reality while also having to give you a movie it's it's a crazy tightrope that these that these directors have to walk you're backing yourself into a corner for for the love of the genre and i'm <sighs> i'm here for it i love it <laughs> <laughs> the other thing i think a bad found footage movie has that we kind of talked about in blair witch is like I don't want to see a lot, mm. which is kind which is kind of funny because you know we want to see it right like we we want to see the ghost we want to see the monster, but I I also don't and that's why Blair Witch is so successful which yeah. we talked about this a little bit but you know like I don't want to see the witch I want to see shadows you know what I mean yeah. like I want to see suggestions that what's happening is real, you get you get films like. I hate to keep picking on it, but survive the horror shows where you actually, it, it looks like a woman in a white gown. And th- there's a really good inventive 
found footage movie called Death of a Vlogger. And it's it's really good. It's really well written. It's really well executed. But the quote-unquote spirit that you're seeing is a person in, like, a white sheet with crazy hair. And it actually, it helps the narrative a little bit because the whole th- you're, the whole time you're trying to figure out whether or not this guy is making it up for a YouTube channel or if it's actually real. But it's just the more I see of things in found footage, I feel like uh, the less successful it is. And that and if you do show something, it needs to be the final kabam. You can't see it the whole time. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I think that too, it, it plays on this idea of psychological horror. Um, and we're going we're gonna to touch on psychological horror uh, in the future on this podcast. But I like... I think most of my favorite films, most of my favorite horror films are in that sort of variety of horror and the psychological realm. And in those movies, like you're not seeing a whole lot either, right? You're, you're experiencing what the, what the characters are experiencing. Um, but you're not entirely sure what's hiding behind things or what's at the heart of it, you know. I'm bringing this up again because you had just watched it based on my suggestion, but one of the things I think makes Gungeum Haunted Asylum so successful is it kind of has a perfect balance of seeing stuff and not seeing stuff. Um, like, you you have uh, a lot of suggestion that w- what's happening... It, it's a similar frame to Grave Encounters in which... Uh, this group of YouTubers go into uh, a quote-unquote haunted asylum and try to capture stuff. And you find out that the main people behind it are, like, setting up different spooks, right? They're not real. They're, they're like, tripwire. And then things so slowly start to happen. And But it gives you just enough of, oh, my God, that's terrifying. The one scene that comes out to me is when the the movie turns into Silent Hill for a hot second where, where they're in that room and there's, they just show this horrifying creature that's not moving. And then it, obviously what do you think happens? It finally moves. Yeah. But I, I think, I think that, that itself, even when you do see stuff in that movie, it, it contributes to the scares because of the minimalism that's going on during it. it, it it's always dependent on the atmosphere and the framework of, 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 of going into this asylum. And that when the scares come, like you see the Silent Hill type creature or something floats behind one of the characters, it's so, it's so minimalist that it just, it's like salt on, on top of the meat that is, that is the, the asylum itself. Okay. Well then I have a question to follow that up because, um, well, I agree with everything you're saying. We're also going to touch on our, our favorites of the genre uh, later in the show. But two of your favorites are Grave Encounters 1 and Grave Encounters 2. Spoiler alert. And Yeah, they're um, both on there. <laughs> they, to me, those are those are like maximalist. Uh, really? You think so? <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot minimal about that in terms of the scares that it's offering. I think it... Oh, I'll give you that I think at the end you are correct. I think during the movie itself it ramps up. Okay, um, that's fair. Yeah, because uh, both movies have a have a kind of crazy over the top ending, right? And uh, and I love them both, and we're going to talk about why I think Grave Encounters Two is the perfect found footage horror movie. But um, but I it, it, to me it kind of ramps up, and we definitely start these films minimalistic shadows in the walls, right? Like that's what we see, mm-hmm. except. Where I think Grave Encounter succeeds where others don't when they find, finally show stuff is that it's all foreshadowed with the minimalist scares that we see er, earlier in the film. Yeah. For example, 
uh, in Grave Encounters, there's a scene where they bring a fake psychic into a bathtub that supposedly someone had killed themselves in, and they and they they have a fake seance over the bathtub, right? And later on in the film, when when things start to get real, that bathtub is full of blood, hmm. and someone falls in, and they never find them again. That's not exactly subtle, right? Yeah. But the fact that we had already been introduced to that bathtub, we know the history of that bathtub, and the history of that bathtub makes the reveal scarier is why I think those movies are successful. They're very well structured, yeah. and they have very good pay- payoffs. Yeah, yeah. Um, true. I Bring it. I came prepared. Yeah, no, I can... this is my podcast. This is I your pod, for sure. For yeah. No, I did, I did want to touch on, because, of course, Blair Witch is my favorite found footage movie. Sure. Um, I guess, I guess, because I'm a big character guy too. I like, yeah. I like a character build, and that's why I, sure. we talked about Saint Maud in a in a different podcast yeah. as well. And that's a great character builder. I wish this genre was given more time or more space to sort yeah. of build those characters. Up. Sure, I think that's the give and take with it too. You know, like like we sacrifice character development for the immersion of this is real, right? Like yeah. like it's it's a give and take. But that's also why movies like The Blair Witch are so successful, right? Because, and we talked about this in our Blair Witch podcast, the filmmakers did an amazing job, uh, actually a revolutionary job marketing that by providing character information for the characters in the film before it was even released. Yeah, They, they were releasing fake um, obituaries and, and videos and interviews and stuff like that to build backstory on these people, right? Yeah, yeah. And one of one of the things that stems from that is that once the Blair Witch Project did it, nobody else could do like you couldn't yeah, you couldn't yeah. replicate that any you anymore, couldn't. right? Because it's yeah. just like, well, they did it already, and you know, and and it, it's so different from any other genre sure. in that way. I think a few other films do do it successfully, though. Uh, I think the even though they're not my favorite of the genre, the first Paranormal Activity has fantastic character development um which which i think is the heart and soul of that movie it's my second favorite that's his that's his second favorite (laughs) right uh the original paranormal activity has great character development right because because it's all the framework of that is grounded in this couple who's kind of dysfunctional Mm -hmm. right so that's inherent in the narrative um another another one that does it really well i think is uh unfriended which is on my top because as you're watching the movie, you're going back. It, it all takes place on a desktop, right? So you're going back in time through memories and past posts mm-hmm. in order to learn more about these characters. Yeah. So I think that's another one that does it really well. And I don't know if we're including this as a found footage movie or if in the future it will be deemed a found footage movie. But most recently, Host, I think, does a really good job at doing oh, that, yeah. too. That's definitely considered found footage. And that is a great, great movie. It's probably one of the best found footage to come out in the past few years. I have... One rule that if I see this happening during a found footage movie, I will immediately turn it off. And it happened the other day, and I was really bummed because I thought I found a new found footage movie. If you go back and forth between found footage and third-person narrative, I will turn it off immediately because your framework makes no sense. So the other day I was watching this movie. It's on Netflix. It was it was about like a haunted staircase. I can't really like that sounded fun to me. And the whole thing was it was supposed to be about these students investigating this uh, video from a few years ago uh, where like someone disappeared on a staircase or something. And like so I thought it, I thought it was going to be like an uh, like a fake investigative documentary. 
But no, it starts out as uh, like we're showing you the, this footage, and then it turns into a third person. Uh, I, I guess we would call it normal filmmaking, right? Where 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 we have cameras and shot lists, and it's taking place third person. We're supposed to know it's not a film. But it jumps back and forth between the two. Like it, it would, it would give a like a static shot of these kids talking about this video, and then it would give a, a like someone has a camera, and I'm looking in, and I'm like going back and forth. But they're not present in that wide shot. So like it, it do, like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Get out of here with that garbage. That's, yeah, and yeah. There, there's another there's another film that does it. It's called, I think it's called like uh, Against the Night or something where. We follow these students making found footage, like uh, an investigation. But it also it it breaks that it breaks that wall, right? Because the whole point of found footage is to immerse yourself in the idea that this is real. So if we're immersing ourselves in the idea and this is real, and then you make it a point to show us that it is in fact not real, and uh, it backs up and is like, oh no, just see like they're making this found footage. You're like I, I don't care. that that's terrible. Like I, I'm not scared anymore. Yeah, because I yeah. don't believe this is real. It takes you right out of it. Yeah, yeah. There's only there's actually only one movie that I like that does it, and because it only does it for one shot. It's the last shot of the movie. It's uh, Unfriended, mm-hmm. where the the very 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 end where the character finally closes their laptop. You get it from her perspective. So I guess you're still kind of looking at from her perspective, but it's very clearly like a stage shot. Yeah. I think it's the only time I like it, but I just, I can't get behind that, man. I can't get behind that, that I got to do both. It doesn't make any sense. That's fair. I feel like there's a lot of back and forth uh, with your in defense of found footage and your attack on fa- found footage. And it's really, it's really great. I'm really, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking it all in. It's great. So um, I actually, b- believe it or not, I came up with a scale for evaluating found footage. Of course you did. I call it the verisimilitude scale, which is a very, very fancy word that alludes to the truthfulness of something. Film theory drop. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to put a little sound effect that goes... Every time Mike mentions something from every time I mention, film school. Like a, yeah, yeah. We're just going to yeah, <laughs> like put, put like graduation music over it. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, I, I, I imagine it as this level of how I judge found footage and i call it verisimilitude and a lot of different factors go into it acting framework sound design music if they decide to include music overall believability all goes into this word that i like to, that that i like to use to assess found footage films so and how good your movie is is based on how high the level of verisimilitude is i feel like there are not a lot of genres that you can say like directly compare it to how good it is based on one thing but i feel like found footage is exactly that yeah you're only as good as how much you can make me believe that this is real all right well as you can hear mike is very much a a found footage fan um and he's also a techie and he likes his cameras and uh his technology so i i just wanted to get your take mike on sort of how you've seen the genre progress uh even going all the way back to 1980 if we want to touch on cannibal holocaust which some people credit as the first or or back to blair witch in in 99 yeah so um this is something i've thought a lot about surprise surprise um and i kind of got this idea because um a few years ago in graduate school i decided to write a paper on video games and i essentially asserted that each 
generation of video game console facilitated a different type of social environment. So we started in uh, with arcades where it was big groups of people could gather and games were very social. And then it evolved to things like Super Nintendo where we could only play it at our house. And that's where the socialness kind of got taken out of video games. Mm -hmm. But it's blossomed up again into like PS4s and PS5s where we have this big online community. And as I was thinking about this, because I found footage is never far from my mind, I thought about how each iteration of technology is reflected in found footage and how they're kind of symbiotic, right? Yeah. Because the narratives change throughout each different way that, it, that the narrative can be captured. So, for example, you're right. So we have back in uh, the early 80s, it was probably filmed sometime in the late 70s, where we have Cannibal Holocaust, which is largely attributed to be the first found footage movie. And it was shot on handheld 16 millimeter. And that's a reflection of the technology at the time that allowed it to be filmed because uh, certain... Uh, different, you know, different film developers were finally starting to develop really fast film footage. And if you guys don't know what that term means, fast film footage means the amount of light that it requires for you to uh, to expose an image. Mm -hmm. And really fast footage exposes really quickly. And before that, it was it was it was kind of hard to get really good quality moving pictures because the speed of the exposure was very slow. And so we see Cannibal Holocaust exist because of that development of 16 millimeter fast film. Fast forward 15 years later, and we are introduced to the last broadcast, which is largely considered to be the first desktop film. I forgot that was about made that for movie. 900. Yeah, it's not good, but, but it's, it's good for what it is. It's, it's good because it's inventive, right? But, but the narrative isn't great. Uh, so here's just a really quick side note. The amount of time that I spent trying... I can't believe I forgot about this movie, but the amount of time that I spent trying to f track down a copy of that movie because I heard about it after I saw The Blair Witch Project and loved The yeah, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Same. So much time. And I finally found a copy, was super yep. disappointed by it, but still got to see it. So, But it's great. But, but The Blair Witch wouldn't have existed without that, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, be, be, because it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like each iteration lends to the next one, which is why I believe that uh, found footage, though it may have peaked with Blair Witch, it, it, it can evolve and it can get better, right? And mm -hmm. so we have the last broadcast. I believe it came out in 1996, made for $900, considered the first desktop feature um, it's just a bunch of a bunch of filmies decided to get together and make something, and they had no money to do it, and so they shot it on their their camcorders. They should they put it on mini DV. They they developed it and they put it onto a hard drive and just made it themselves. Because there's there's this level of creativity that's inherent in found footage, right? Mm -hmm. Because 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 we kind of talked about how it's a tightrope. It, it's almost a genre that's defying you to make it. Right? Yeah, it's 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 so it's so DIY in its approach compared compared to anything yeah, else in movie making, sure. right? Yeah. And so what and so what happens after the success of the last broadcast, right? It inspires two filmmakers to make their own found footage movie for pennies on the dollar and they take that desktop feature a step further by making their own marketing material. 
And this is where the Blair Witch comes in. So the Blair Witch is now evolving from this initial desktop feature that is the last broadcast. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and, and we also see developments in how we're capturing this footage, right? Because we're, we're now moving from 16 millimeter to camcorders. So video is now the primary form of capture because it's what's readily available to people, right? And it also becomes more real because though that technology is available to us, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it be, because we have those, we have those cameras. We have camcorders. We have tape. We don't have thirty-five millimeter Panasonic cameras, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like we, we don't, we don't, we can't shoot in Panavision. So it's just another way that this that, that this genre is finding a way to connect to its audience more and build that level of verisimilitude. And it's interesting to see because uh, Eduardo Sanchez, I believe it was Eduardo Sanchez, who was one of the directors of uh, Blair Witch. Uh, made a short film in another one of your top five that I can see, which is VHS. He made, uh, and he made it with a GoPro. So you could see that he, he it, it was inherent in his views to say like, okay, this is what the next level of video capture is going to be like. And he keeps, he keeps doing that. He keeps, keeps finding inventive ways to tell these narratives. Yeah, and then, and then moving into a film like Paranormal Activity where uh – Sure. Video cameras were now infiltrating the home, right? And capturing everything that happened within yeah. the home all day long. So, and then even even recently with hosts and how we had to start sure. living a new normal in 20, 2020 and uh, they made a movie out of it on a, on a Zoom call. So it keeps evolving for sure. It's reflexive of the times. And, and you know, so we, we evolved from Blair Witch to digital video. And that's where you see a boom in, I would say, quantity at the very least of of found footage movies, where where you're because Blair Witch inspired so many like ghost hunter shows that we already talked about, and so people were saying I can do that too. That's where we have your grave encounters come in. There, there's there's an excellent uh, found footage movie called Afflicted. I don't think I put it on the list of recommendations for you, but it, it's it's fantastic. And it's very much a product of the GoPro generation. There's a lot of like parkour aspects to it that could only have been shot with that kind of technology. And you know, and that brings us to really modern day types of found footage movies. Like what like what's being what's being made today? And you already talked about host. Host was host was a literal product of the Zoom generation, right? It it is someone was bored during quarantine and decided to make a horror movie out of it. Why? Because that's that's what's available to us, right? Like that that's what makes it real. That's the technology that we're using. Um, a few years ago, like I said, Un- Unfriended is one of my favorite, and that's kind of when screen capture was starting to become a, a real thing. And you you can rem- I remember on YouTube, find, like there was a real boom of people wanting to do tutorials through screen capture, and so someone said, "I'm going to make a film footage movie about that." It's it, it I love. The innovation, the creativity, the dedication to making you believe this is real, the verisimilitude of it. And that's why it has such a huge, huge place in my heart. Yeah, it's it's an inter- interesting contrast, too, between like big budget studio filmmaking and that they're using the biggest and best new cameras, whether it's digital or film. Sure. And, you know, 3D. So all these like things that they're just adding and making it 
more immersive and more maximalist yeah. whereas with found footage you're kind of focusing on sort of like what's the average sort of fan uh got in their home or what you know what does the average film fan yeah. have have at their fingertips and it's zoom it's their iphones it's it's a gopro i remember when blair witch came out not the blair witch project but blair witch which is not great but uh, I remember watching the the drone footage in that and thinking mm -hmm. and remembering that that's when drones started to become hugely popular. Yeah. Right. So even then it was it was still developing that idea of what are people using. And I think that's really original to this. Have you ever seen The Gallows? Did we ever talk about that one? I don't think we've ever talked about it. No, I don't. I've never seen The Gallows. The Gallows. I enjoy a lot, even though the ending is terrible. You can add me if you want. But um that you, you know you were just talking about the idea that these these uh you know these uh big hollywood productions are shooting you know on sony f5s and ari alexas and stuff like that the gallows is a very recent film i think it came out in 2015 around there it was it was two dudes who had a couple cameras that went into a school at night and made a movie and they sold it later on they they made it for under ten thousand dollars i'm pretty sure and then they sold it later to a studio who paid for their post so that so and, and that's that's if, if you guys are listening that's how you do it that's how you go do make it. something sell to a studio they'll give you they'll give you a hundred thousand dollars for a post package you know what i mean so th there is ways there are ways especially for you prospective filmmakers to go out make quality content with what you have and found footage is the perfect genre for you to do that yeah yeah or just sit or just sit in your desk at home and and start up fire up a zoom call make a movie fire up a zoom call do a screen capture yeah so on on that kind of idea i, I know i'm the i know i'm the the found footage expert here but what do you think is next for the found footage genre that's a really interesting question because i think that like we were saying, like any different from any other genre is that it's kind of always, uh, on the, on the cusp, of, uh, it's all whatever, whatever new sort of digital medium that's like accessible. Um, that's kind of how it operates to me. Like, and I'm only speaking through the lens of like paranormal activity or Blair Witch Project where it's like, what can we have in our home? Like what's the affordable new option? Yeah. Um, and how do we utilize that in a way that's unique and creative? So I don't, I don't know. I, that's a hard, that's a tough question. Do you have anything to add on that? I have a few ideas. I know I shortchanged them on this, but like paranormal activity really was even in their not very good later movies, really kind of pushing that boundary. I remember mm -hmm. watching, I think it was the fourth one where they were using an Xbox connect to tell the story. That's right. Yeah. And I, and like, that's really, that's really interesting and really ingenious and i i actually it shouldn't surprise me because the directors of the set of the third and the fourth one um uh henry juiced and uh ariel shulman uh also directed catfish by the way i don't know if you knew that um but oh. i i met them yeah the original catfish yeah, they yeah. they made they look it up they they made that movie uh i actually met them at a screening at my film school and they were so intelligent and like they clearly knew what they were doing mm -hmm. And so if you were to ask me where the future of found footage lies, I would say it's not going to be very long before we have our first VR found footage movie. And uh, it's going to be that's terrifying. Exactly, you're totally right. Yep, yep you're absolutely yep. right. <laughs> I don't know yep. why my brain didn't go there. And, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome.
Yes. It's it's going to be absolutely terrifying. So, uh, what do we? Uh, so we the, we're going to wrap up here, and we're going to save our top five for last. Before we do that, I want to talk about some hidden gems that I've watched that I don't think you probably have unless you're as crazy about found footage as me. But for Josh, I don't want to step on your feet. Do you have any <laughs> hidden gems that you think no one's seen but you? I'm the like mainstream found footage guy. I I I stick to whatever is getting the hype. I don't really dig deep for the uh for the old found footage, okay. but I'm curious to hear your picks. I want to hear okay. your picks. Okay. So, I'm going to start with a movie called Leaving DC. Uh, it's, I, I told you about it. It's, it's a very, very good movie made by one dude. It, it's literally one guy wrote, directed, made everything in his room about a, uh, a guy who wants to move away from his DC, uh, city living and move out in the middle of nowhere in the boonies. So he buys this house and things start to happen and he starts capturing weird sounds and he shows you as he's doing it at, like, he shows you the waveform of, of his audio recording that he's looking at. Nice. Really interesting, really well done, really well written. Not packed with scares, but still still very, very good. Um, another one I want to talk about is a, is a recent one. It's called The Blackwell Ghost. And it's only about an hour long, but it uh, it's really, really fun, really engaging. And it operates off this framework and... It, I hesitate to say framework because the guy who made it plays himself. His wife plays herself. He shot the footage himself. He wants you to believe that it is real mm. and that it really happened. Whether or not it actually did, that's for you to decide. But it's very good. It's very it's very entertaining. It's very original. Uh, and it's, it's short. So you can find that on Amazon, pretty sure, uh, for free. The first one is really, really good. And uh, the last one I want to talk about is someone, uh, one that I watched recently that I loved. It's called uh, Butterfly Kisses, which is a very not scary name for a found footage movie. But it actually falls under the genre of fake documentary, which they kind of go hand in hand. It's about a group of students who hear an urban legend that if you stare uh, down a train tunnel for an hour without blinking you will see uh, this spirit figure, right? And he appears really quick, and then every time you close your eyes, he gets closer. Mm. So every time you blink, he gets closer. So it's, 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 it's super cheap. It, 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 it's it's su- super low budget, super scary, very well done, very creative. Those are my three hidden gems for you. Those all sound great. I'm actually like curious about all three of them now that you've mentioned those. And it's also really good to know you because... I wouldn't know most of the the, the found footage movies. Like, like I, I don't even yeah. like I've never even heard of these movies. So that's that's great stuff, Mike. Like I said, I've done some deep dives, but so the th- the thing about found footage, like we've all said, it's it's re- like you have to find that needle in the haystack, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of not great ones out there, ones that you know immediately when you turn them on that they're not real. But when you go and you find that one that it just it it scratches that part of your brain that just needs to believe in something, <laughs> it, it's it, there's no feeling like it to find a really great found footage movie. So pl- go out there, make more great found footage movies, for me at the very least. What when is that uh, leaving DC from? Is that a, is that recent? No, it's a it's an older one. Okay. I, w- I would say early early two thousands, but okay. it's it's really good, really really uh, really creative. Because the plot to me sounds like something that 
is happening right now, like where people are moving from oh, cities. Yeah, out yeah to, I you know. know. It, it's and which is also cool about found footage because I feel like they become really randomly relevant mm -hmm. at later points in in history. So, uh, which we could do a whole other podcast about that. That's true. Yeah. So let's wrap it up. What's your top five, Josh? All right. Well, I think we already touched on pretty much all of them. Um, so number five, uh, host, which is the recent one that we've been talking about. It's the zoom horror. Um, four is paranormal activity three, not to, not to drag paranormal, paranormal activity two, which is also a good movie. Um, <laughs> number three, VHS had to go with VHS. Uh, remember watching that, um, in a cabin with friends and just being, we were all like pretty scared by it. So sure. really fun stuff with that one. Um, paranormal activity one at number two. And of course the Blair Witch Project is my favorite by a lot. Yeah, mainstreamer. <laughs> I know, right? Boring. <laughs> so so boring. my my top my top five. My number five. I'm gonna go with Unfriended. That was that's probably the least popular choice on here. I, just, I I remember watching it in theaters and truly loving how the events played out in the narrative that this all happens on one screen. Uh, haven't actually seen Dark Web yet. Here it's really good, so I'm excited about that. Grave Encounters one comes in at number four. Gunjim Harlan Asylum comes in at number three. Number two is Blair Witch, which means taking wow. the number one spot in an upset wow. is what I believe to be the greatest found footage movie ever made, Grave Encounters 2. Here's why. Grave Encounters 1 is a lovely contained story about a group of ghost hunters trying to make a TV show where they go, they don't believe this place is haunted, and then they find out that it really is. Grave Encounters 2 is about a film student who finds Grave Encounters 1, watches it, and then convinces himself that it's real. Grave Encounters 2 takes us on the narrative, on the journey that every found footage lover like myself has. This desire to go and find that these movies are really real and that there really are nightmares out there. So everyone, thank you so much for joining our Nightmare Podcast, our Horror Genres Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Josh. We'll scare you next time. Thanks for listening to the Nightmare Network Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and don't be afraid to give us suggestions on movies that spooked you out for our next episode. You can visit NightmareNetworkOfficial.com to submit your own nightmare to be adapted into a short film on our YouTube channel. As always, at Nightmare Network, you share your scares.